Uh, the opening remark would be how incredible our fan base is, and they answered the bell today. They were elite, and we noticed it. Um, it's special, special to be at Georgia, and they impacted the game. Kirby, I think I heard you say this would be a four-quarter game. Uh, obviously, you guys have had some really fast starts the last couple of weeks, and your defense continues to kind of dominate. I mean, what about that formula to, to you know getting these big leads? Yeah, it's a hell of a formula. You think we can keep it up, Mark? Okay, I'd like to start by saying uh, thank you to the BBN. That's for you. Um, they really showed up in a big, big way today and had an impact on the game. They affected the football game in a very positive way. Have you ever heard this place as well? That's incredible. That's a, a fantastic stat. Uh, thanks again. <laughs> you know, thank you. That's pretty, pretty awesome. No, I, I can't remember that. You know, I, uh, um, I'm sure that's frustrating on their end, but uh, I credit our crowd and a, a home field advantage. And it was really nice to deliver, you know, t for the fans because we've had things teed up before. I know how it gets and it's hard. You know, we play a tough league. But to have it teed up, to have a sellout, and then come deliver and play like that, I'm happy. You know, really am. We practice it. I have no idea why they jumped offsides. I mean, I'm not a mind reader. Hell, I don't know. I mean. I said we weren't going to do that. We were going to follow the analytics, follow the book, and not get scared because we're in Alabama and, you know, not have confidence in our players and punt. Because, again, you can punt and then go score. They scored every possession but one in the first half. So. Um, you know, I know it looks bad when it doesn't work, but again, you can punt it away. It just takes longer for them to score. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I feel like I aged about 40 years during that game. Uh, I don't know if it was the same in the press box, but me. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm flying solo for this episode, but uh, don't worry, we got some terrific matchups to preview we've got some week seven kickoffs sec announced here all monday so we're gonna run down that and give you thoughts early thoughts on the big games around the sec right, but before we do that gotta mention the sponsors prize picks head on over to prizepicks.com using that promo code sec to get up to a hundred dollar initial deposit bonus Head on over to prizepicks.com. Get in on the daily fantasy action with us. And man, I hey, I think I'm heating up here with my prize picks. I think I was three for three last week on my selections. JT Dales under, of course. Had a good feeling about that one. Tyon Evans. Rushing yards and touchdowns. Man, he shattered that. And Kiki Chisholm. I believe he got uh, the over on the reception. So, hey, I'm starting to heat up. I hope you guys are too. And if you, you know, if you want to support all the work we're doing over here at the podcast, the best way to do it is head on over to PrizePicks.com. Sign up. Use that promo code SEC. And one other thing, I don't know if we've been mentioning this enough lately because our shows have just been so jam packed, but. Hey, I've seen a ton and ton of reviews piling in, so we really do appreciate each and every one of those. But don't forget, if you haven't already, send us your mailing address over at uh, thatsecpodcast at gmail.com. That's how we'll get your address, and we'll send, ship you out your koozie free of charge. We do that to each and every one of you. That gives us a five-star written review. But enough about that. Let's get into the action here because... 
Like I said, the SEC has just announced the kickoff times for week seven. Of course, we're still in week six here, just started, but they announced these a week ahead. And man, do we have a pretty outstanding lineup here. Another SEC on CBS doubleheader. So I'll throw up the matchups here on the screen. But the SEC on CBS game of the week. All of a sudden, this is uh, the battle for the SEC East. Like everybody up there in Big Blue Nation suspected it would be all offseason. Kentucky at Georgia, CBS 330 Eastern, 230 Central. And that will actually be the second game of the CBS doubleheader. And I know that's unusual. There's no night game here for CBS. It's going to be a noon kickoff, and it's either going to be Auburn, at Arkansas or Florida at LSU. They have yet to decide. One of those is going to be the noon SEC on CBS. And if it's not on CBS, it's going to kick over to ESPN and follow college game day. So thoughts on that? I mean, Auburn, Arkansas, that's been a hell of a series here in recent seasons. And man, we all know what happened last year. Arkansas got robbed. Bo Nix spiked the ball backwards. Literally, I've never seen that before in my life. But what are we doing here, SEC, given Arkansas 11 a.m. kickoffs, three consecutive weeks? So, something's, something's up here with that. <laughs> we just cannot have that. I mean, we got us a, a top 10 ball club. I know they're not currently in the top 10, but I'd still put them there. And yet they're kicking off at noon every damn week. That doesn't make any sense. Florida LSU probably waiting to see uh, if LSU shows any signs of life this weekend against Kentucky. If they do, maybe you flip that over to the CBS game. And we kind of got to say the same thing about uh, Auburn going up against Georgia and Arkansas against Ole Miss. So we'll wait and see who wins those games to, to see who gets that CBS time slot. But we got a couple other games here. Texas A&M at Missouri. That's also going to be a noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central kickoff on the SEC Network. That one's locked in. So is Vanderbilt at South Carolina. 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central, also on the SEC Network. Alabama gets a night game at Mississippi State. That's going to be on ESPN, 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central. Nick Saban and company with those cowbells. And then, man, this game is going to be a fireworks show. Maybe this is what Kiffin was really talking about with the popcorn. Ole Miss at Tennessee 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 Central on the SEC Network. Lane Kiffin returned to Neyland Stadium, first time as Ole Miss head coach under the lights. And I think that is, uh, you know, that's going to be something to see right there. <laughs> Especially if Tennessee can win this weekend against South Carolina. Not a given by any means, but... If they do, well, they'll have a winning streak heading into that matchup. They're going to need the fans to show up in full support for that one. But speaking of fans, you know, that is one thing I wanted to hit on before we jumped around the league. Something, you know, it's clear as day, anybody who watches these games, these fans are affecting the games. It's something we said on the last podcast with Cousin Shane. Georgia's crowd played a factor. Alabama's crowd played a factor. We assumed LSU's crowd would play a factor, but I think that game was so late and, the, and it was so ugly that uh, it was hard to get the fans into it. But we've seen it. Arkansas against Texas. I mean, these crowds are affecting the games this year. 
And as we look to the slate this weekend, that could be pivotal for matchups like Arkansas at Ole Miss. It's a noon east again, a noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central kickoff. How fired up will the Grove be at that early? I mean, I assume it's going to be rocking, but we'll see. South Carolina at Tennessee, how rocking is that going to be? I mean, I'm not doubting these fans, but I'm saying you need to come out and support your team because you're, we're seeing it, that it's really, really playing a factor. And, hell, just look at what the Georgia Bulldogs and that crowd did to Arkansas last weekend. I mean, it was it was basically the ball game once things got rolling because the crowd got into it, the energy, the, the excitement. Home field advantage is back. I love to see it in college football. I think, that, understandably, that's why so many fans are upset at all these damn noon kickoffs. It's hard to get up for those. But it is possible. It, it certainly is possible to get up for those games. Auburn, of course, hosting Georgia. That's a game we're going to break down here in just a minute. But they're going to need – the Plains has got to be on fire for this game to help – the Auburn Tigers, that's – if the crowd's not into it, this, this is not going to be be a damn ball game. Hell, the way Georgia's playing, it might not be anyway, but they stand no chance if not for, uh, you know, to get that crowd energized in the game. Hell, we saw what Kentucky did to Florida. They're going to do the same damn thing to LSU this weekend. These are home field advantage. Texas A&M against Alabama, obviously a huge uphill climb. Got to get these fans – excited and fired up and you got to give them a reason to get fired up i mean let's not put it all on the fans the teams have got to show up and start fast and that really could play the difference in a big big upset or just standing your ground and getting the season going right for some of these teams like an old miss like a tennessee or springing the upset for an auburn or a texas a&m so i don't know i just wanted to make that note because seeing and this is not calling out any fan base because it seems like hardly any or any stadiums are being sold out. Uh, you know, I mean, I know Kentucky just sold out the LSU game. They sold out the Florida game. But both of those, basically the week of, they had to announce. And that's not a Kentucky problem. That's around college football. So uh, I just really love to see these home field, the home field advantage back in our sport. It really does change outcomes i really do think that so uh, i'm hoping it kind of does the same this weekend with so many great games we got lined up on the schedule but all right i'm ready to preview some matchups here so let's kick it around the league now let's go around the league you know this is not a democracy everybody doesn't get what to do what they want to do everybody don't get to do what they feel like doing um you got to buy in and do what you're supposed to do to um you know, be a part of the team and do the things you need to do in practice every day. Uh, sense of urgency, play fast, execute, do your job. You know, guys on the sidelines sitting there pouting. Um, you know, I, I can't stand that either. You know, sit there and pout on a sideline. Um, I, you know, because that's the ultimate and selfish. You know, well, the last play didn't go my way, so I feel so bad. Well, yeah, I mean, nobody thinks, well, you're a tough person when you do that. Nobody thinks that. What they do is they point at you and laugh, and then they nudge their buddy and, hey, they see that guy for this team over there on the sideline, and and and, and they, they you know they'll use words like wimp, although they'll use other ones too that I think are even better words with regard to uh, describing what I'm witnessing at times. We see you as a tough, hard-nosed, boring football coach. You know what I'm saying? Oh, thanks a lot. Who says that? 
I think Arkansas was an underdog in every game last year, and I know you guys don't worry about it. I know we were, yes. All right, I'm going to start here in Fayetteville first. Arkansas coming off that uh, just disaster of a performance, 37-0 loss against Georgia. No need to rehash that one. And now you got to face Matt Corral and this Lane Kiffin offense, one you mastered last season. Corral threw six interceptions. Cannot speak Matt Corral's name without a dozen Arkansas fans jumping on how what a trash quarterback he is. I tell you, he's not trash, Ed. Hey, you can keep saying it, but you, you're probably going to find something out different on Saturday when the game comes around because I think uh, Lane Kiffin and company, you know, it's almost like we saw last week. They tore Alabama a new one, right? And now Arkansas sitting here saying, well, now we're going to tear Ole Miss a new one like we did last year. Teams adjust. Teams learn. Teams get motivated. So, you know, there's a huge question mark really for both these teams heading into this matchup how will they respond both these teams got their teeth kicked in against superior competition you still got everything in front of you here's an opportunity to get that ball rolling in the in the right direction but it's also a matchup I think is winnable very winnable for both teams make no mistake it's going to come down to the team that responds and the team that uh, forces the other into mistakes and I also think that if you lose this game for either one of them you know, you can still have a big season, but your West chances are probably gone because you can't fall that far behind Alabama. And, hell, Ole Miss already in the hole to them. Arkansas's not. As crazy as it may sound, I mean, Arkansas, who knows? If they play their A game, maybe they beat Alabama. They can win the West, but it's not going to happen if you lose Saturday at Ole Miss. So there's a lot to like about uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks, I think, in this matchup, provided they do respond. Uh, we just saw that, uh, you know, the game plan for Alabama was essentially pound that rock. And who leads the SEC in most rushing attempts? It's them Arkansas Razorbacks behind K.J. Jefferson and the, I don't even know if it's fair to call it a trio. They have four good running backs there in Fayetteville. So I think uh, the game plan on offense is going to be pound that rock, limit Ole Miss's possessions, and that'll be key to the game because I really do think after throwing his six interceptions, Matt Corral, this, you know, you got to hope that maybe he forces the issue like he did last season. Uh, if you recall, that was one where there was a, a just a ton of wind and, and it was nasty out. And, hey, go back and play the episode. I remember Shane was laughing at me when I said that, but it resulted in uh, the multiple, multiple interceptions we saw from old Matt Corral. So I really do think that played a factor that's unlikely to once again be the case here this Saturday when Ole Miss and Arkansas go head-to-head. So I think you're going to have to – you may have to win a high-scoring type game. You don't. You certainly don't want to get a shootout with Matt Corral because if if they're firing at all cylinders, that's going to be tough. But that's why you got to uh, take, the, take the air out of the ball and pound that rock. And it certainly looks like Ole Miss's defense is not necessarily capable of stopping it. And uh, so this is this is the game of the week. I, I really do think Ole Miss and Arkansas, two of the better teams, not only in the SEC, but in the country. And I'll tell you what, if you don't got respect for Matt Corral, you are on an island there because old Sam Pittman has got him respect for Matt Corral and what that quarterback's capable of doing. 
So let's kick it over to Sam Pittman who talks about that. And I, kind of the highlight of the day here on the, on the coach comments, Coach Pittman on Arkansas's response to losing to Georgia. And he says, we're going to make damn sure that uh, that Georgia game does not cost us this one as well. Uh, each and every game, but he'll probably have a little bit more on this one because of last year. Yeah, I was thinking that's going to be a really cool chess match is that you defended them so well. So, you know, what, what, what the countermeasures are and what you guys come back with to try to contain their attack because you did so well last yeah, year. Yeah, well, we'll certainly have some different things that we – that we'll do this year than what we did last year. Um, we've got that in the plan, and we'll see how it looks today at practice. But uh, we can't do identically what we did last year because if we do, he'll he'll pick us apart. So um, we'll certainly put some wrinkles in there on defense. Coach, you mentioned not being ready for the early start last week. You have to do that again. So what do you do differently in practice this week to overcome that? I didn't hear the first part of not it. Not being ready for the early start last yeah. week. Well, I mean, I think that's 100% correct. Uh, I think Georgia had a lot to do with that. You know, um, I don't know exactly um, except learn from from last week. You know, I, I don't know that we can do a whole lot about when we have pregame. Uh, I don't know that we can practice at 11. You know, we, we, we did in the fall. Um, I think it was just be a different try to get a different mindset going in there um you know in all honesty I think everybody saw we just weren't ready for the grand stage yet and that's all of us and um this is going to be a big stage because it's ESPN and all those things but you know the college game day atmosphere the 93,000 you know there was a lot of kids after the game after I spoke with them said it's the loudest crowd they haven't ever been in anything like that before and we tried to simulate it in practice and obviously didn't have it turned up loud enough um but i think just try to learn from this experience that we just went through and try to learn from that and and uh and uh, i don't know that we'll have any different wake up or anything like that i know i heard that kirby played i don't know if it's true but i heard he played music in the in the locker room and things of that nature. We were trying to just go a status quo because we had practiced it for a week in fall camp. And, and obviously we, we all saw that, uh, you know, we weren't, we didn't do it the right way. So we're, we're still thinking about what we might do on Saturday to change that up. Uh, we talked a little bit right after the game about regrouping and not letting the game beat you twice and stuff. I was just wondering, and I know you hadn't practiced yet, but I was wondering if there was any specific incidences with the leaders or, you know, the older players on this team where they have, you know, said something to, to make sure that that message has gotten across, I guess, mm. internal leadership. I yeah, guess. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know if they did, to be honest with you. Um, I, you know, um, I think we've all in one realm or another, we've, we've gotten a heck kicked out of us at some point in our life, whether it be at home, whether it be physically, whatever it is. And the only way I know how to do it is you get up and you brush the dirt off, you brush whatever it is, and you go back to work. Uh, if we do a tremendous amount of difference in what we've done before, I mean, look, we've been, we've been underdogs in 14 of our 16 games, including Saturday. We've never been favored to win an SEC game. We're doing things right. We just got to do them better. And and uh, so if I make a mountain out of a molehill because we went and got kicked, we got to correct the situation. We got to do better. 
We got to cut the penalties out. We we've, we've got to do better. And we've got to coach better. But if I go totally off and start having meetings with the players and all this stuff, I think I'm sending a message that I'm panicking and I'm not because we got a good football team and we got our butt kicked by a really good football team and we don't like it and we're not accepting it. But I'll be damned if Georgia's going to make us lose this old miss game. All right. So it's one thing to, you know, make these bold comments and say it's another thing you got to put it in practice. But, you know, given um, everything we've seen from Sam Pittman, you know, he's a man of his word and they'll be working on this all week to uh, respond. But talk is cheap. They got to go out there and do it. And, you know, are they in Ole Miss's head a little bit? Maybe, but uh, let's jump to the other side because Lane Kiffin, it, the the beatdown from Alabama does not seem to be affecting the sense of humor at all. Uh, <laughs> let's just start right off the bat with this one. He was asked about the popcorn comment, of course, and, uh, you know, he's still joking about it there in Oxford. And I actually said to Levy, I got the headset, I said, I just said something really stupid. You better score a lot of points. <laughs> so, and I didn't realize it was the last question either. You know, they were calling for kickoff return. I think there was 30 seconds on the clock and the refs were calling for. So I literally didn't know there was another question. And when I found out afterwards, you know, that that looked rude, which it did, um, you know, I contacted Jamie to make sure she knew that that was not on purpose. So um, to apologize for that, that was not done on purpose at all. Looked like it though. I saw it. Coach, how do you balance? And then I said at halftime to Labby, I go, it looks like we didn't pl plug the microwave in, buddy. All right, so I appreciate the fact, you know, I threw this out there, and, man, you should see the comments. Half are, I love this guy. The other half are, you know, what a joke this loser is. We hate him. and It's just <laughs> the latest evidence of how divided everybody is on their takes. But I thought it was fantastic. I mean, what else can you do when you when you kind of make an ass of yourself? You got to laugh at yourself because uh, that's basically the only way to to move on from it. But uh, uh, you know, rest assured, I don't think that uh, you know, it was a, a case here where Alabama just showed everybody. Well, here's how you stop Ole Miss because I know I was doubting them all week. But you know what Alabama's got that nobody else, hardly anybody else has got outside of maybe Georgia is a five star at every position and a five star backing them up. So they make it look easy maybe they did give the blueprint to uh, arkansas i know arkansas has got a hell of a defense but it takes a lot to slow down this offense and i really do think that uh, lane kiffin and company they are going to have something worked up for these arkansas razorbacks after last season and hell he says even they they adopted arkansas's defense to an extent which is uh you know something we kind of hit on on the last episode as well and so, you know, they're studying what, how to attack that if they're practicing basically a, a, against a similar look on their own team. So Ole Miss is going to come prepared for this matchup. And I th certainly think, you know, that Alabama game meant the world to them. But if you, I think if you were being honest with them, I bet you this Arkansas game was probably number two on their list of games they most want this season you know, heading into the season, exiting camp, is them Arkansas Razorbacks who've been talking trash for 12 months, and they've earned the right to do so. But uh, this, man, this is an opportunity here for Ole Miss and Matt Corral to get back on the Heisman track. 
And again, I know they're in a hole because they lost to Alabama, but they still got seven SEC games to go. And there is a lot on the line for Ole Miss. And this is an opportunity for the offense to get back on track. If this is the offense that shows up prior to Alabama, Arkansas is going to be in some real, real trouble. And that is something that uh, Lane Kiffin talks about as well on his team and their ability to rebound this week as they prepare for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Where you see the keys to that that being going into Saturday. Well, this is the SEC and SEC West. You know, you go play the number one team, now you come home to, you know, a top 15 team that, you know, obviously, you know, struggled last week against, uh, I think, you know, what it appears during the bye of watching people and stuff like that. You know, you got two super elite teams this year, um, you know, with great players, both sides, but especially defense. And then it seems like you know, there's kind of a drop off. So, you know, gauging them in that game, everyone has struggled. You know, Georgia's got great players and exposes people. So prior to that, they were playing extremely well. Um, you know, they run the ball really well. They don't give up explosive plays. I think they're second in the country in pass defense. You know, so this is a scheme we struggled with a year ago. You know, we basically switched to it pretty much on our defense because um, it's really good and, you know, they do a great job. When you've got a game like this one coming up where both teams are coming off of pretty big losses, does anything change feeling-wise when it's just two teams that are trying to rectify last week? Does that affect anything at all? No, obviously not in preparation, um, maybe on the outside, <clears throat> you know, because both teams struggled a week ago versus the two best teams in the country, you know, but still a matchup of top 20 teams, um, you know, that have come a long ways, you know, in two years, especially them. You know, this was a team that, you know, two years ago struggled to play any game close. I remember, you know, losing by a couple scores to North Texas. So um, Sam has done an unbelievable job. The Arkansas game last year was was a tough one for Matt, but it seemed like it was kind of a, a pivotal moment for him. How, how did he sort of handle everything during that game and how do you kind of handle everything that came afterward? Well, I think that game taught him a lot. Uh, I think it had, I think it helped a little bit in this one, you know, when this game wasn't going really well, you know, he forced one, but outside of that, you know, he really, you know, scrambled back and got two yards. It doesn't look pretty, you know, but, um, you know, the sack caused fumble, but outside of it, you know, there's obviously a big difference. He threw no interceptions versus six. So, um, you know, I think you learned from it and will be tested this week because I wouldn't think they'd change. All right, next on the docket, let's jump on down to Athens with the Bulldogs. My number one team in the nation, they got to prepare now to face a very improved Auburn Tiger team, a hell of a lot better Auburn team than I suspected we were getting leading up to the season. And Bo Nix, if he plays like he did against LSU, all of a sudden Auburn's a very, very dangerous team. Can he be a hero like he was against LSU's defense going up against his Georgia Bulldogs? I don't know. That's that's a tough task, but he just did it. So, I mean, he's feeling the heat. Maybe that, you know, there's players that respond to getting benched, and maybe that lit a fire under his ass. Who knows? Uh, but he certainly carried the Tigers to victory in Death Valley. Now he's going to have the home field advantage. They got the Georgia Bulldogs coming in. Historically, I know Georgia's been uh, – dominating the series in recent seasons, but still Auburn 
typically plays them pretty tough. And like I said, I mean, Brian Harson, I think we're starting to see more and more what a hell of a coach he is. Doesn't quite probably have all the pieces he wants to run the system that he likes, but he's adapting to his personnel. And now we got a Georgia Bulldogs team that people like me tell them they're the number one team in the country. Uh, you know, everybody I'm sure on campus is telling them that. They're reading their press clippings. Now, Georgia has not had a single game where they've let up at all. And I'm not certainly saying that uh, going into uh, the South's oldest rivalry, they're just going to cruise and take it easy. But, hey, stranger things have happened. So that's why, you know, this is college football. That's why I love it, man. It's so unpredictable. You just never know what you're going to get week in to week out unless uh, you're talking about damn Nick Saban's dynasty down there. They're, they're about the only ones that show up every single Saturday without question. So, you know, this is uh, uh, an interesting matchup. And, again, maybe this is the one where Cousin Shane was asking me, you know, at some point, Georgia, without JT Daniels, they're going to have to push the ball down the field. They're going to have to open up this passing game. What if Stetson Bennett uh, is making mistakes? If JT, we don't even know. JT Daniels going to be the starting quarterback? Is Stetson Bennett going to be the starting quarterback for this football game? Auburn's got themselves a nasty little secondary here uh, with the likes of Smoke Monday and uh, you know, McCreary's back there. I mean, they have some really, really good players in that secondary. Can you lean on the running game on the Auburn Tigers like you did the Arkansas Razorbacks? I don't know if you can, but hey, we're going to find out here on Saturday, no doubt. But that is something that Kirby Smart is hammering home with his team. Don't read your damn press clippings. We've not accomplished uh, anything at this point. And uh, we ain't played nobody. He said he was going to say that to his, that was going to be the message to the team. And, hey, you look at those standings, Auburn, I know it's just one game, but they're undefeated right now in the SEC. So, same as Georgia. I mean, this is not a game that Georgia Bulldogs can just completely overlook, and it's compounded by the fact that they don't know who in the hell their starting quarterback is going to be due to injury. So, Kirby also gives an update on JT Daniels. The challenges they've had and the ones we've asked them uh, don't worry, I'll have a quarterback question later. But uh, defense, I was real nervous. Y'all are uh, in. I know it's just five games, but y'all are kind of in rarefied air in terms of what's going on right now. What is the culture among the players on this defense as far as how confident are you that they're not going to read the press clippings? They're, they're going to be mature about this. Well, they're definitely going to read them. I mean, there's no stopping what they see on their phones. Um, so that's not. They're going to read that. Is, is it going to affect them? Is it going to poison them? I hope not. Um, I certainly hope not. I think uh, the standard of being elite is what keeps them from becoming poisoned. And when you compare yourself against greatness, there's a certain standard you have to reach, and it kind of supersedes the opponent. And when you say, I, I want to be great, and what does great look like, and you see pictures of that, and you see stats that reflect that, that's what you're trying to emulate, and you're not trying to make it about who you're playing. And it's always about who you're playing, because you have to talk about their personnel and what they do. But the buy-in from this group has been good. The cohesion, you know, and, and like I said, like, who's the superstar? I don't think you could name one superstar, really, on this whole team. So when you have that, you have a lot of guys that buy in. I think personalities outside of our world and our family want there to be a superstar, want there to be one person. 
but there's not, not on this team, because it's done by committee across the board, special teams, defense and offense. It's done by uh, like a lot of guys that, that are connected and care about each other. Perfect. I know in practice this week. And secondly, Stetson kind of indicated the other day that he was thinking about, you know, possibly going elsewhere again after last season. Did you have discussions with Coach Munkin about uh, why he might want to stay here? No, I know he's frustrated. He's more frustrated with his, his uh, reps and his uh, volume of reps. And for him, it was more about you know, competition, getting opportunities. I mean, it wasn't necessarily about one's reps. It was about him getting two's reps because he wasn't getting a lot of those. Um, but the way we practice, he was able to get work in, probably not as much as he likes. Um, and as far as uh, JT, you know, He's not going to do anything today. Uh, he'll be out. He's practicing. He's doing everything but throwing. Uh, and then we'll see how it goes, you know, day to day. I mean, the biggest thing is he's got to rest and recover and try to heal. So uh, we're very hopeful that he'll be able to go Tuesday, Wednesday, and be able to throw like he was able to do last week some days. But he's not going to do much today in terms of throwing. But there's a lot more to quarterback than just throwing the ball. And, he does uh, a lot of that stuff well, and he'll still do all those things today. So, I mean, based on what he had to say, I mean, they have no idea if JT Daniels is going to play, and they probably won't find out uh, until kickoff here or maybe the day or two before. But still, that messes with your preparation because, you know, you can game plan all you want, but things can turn on a dime if, uh, you know, what if they're ready for, for Stetson to go in there? And then JT Daniels is ready to go. I don't know. It just complicates matters so much. Going on the road, going up against an angry Auburn team. Like I said, they're a hell of a lot better than I thought they would be this year. So who knows? I mean, Auburn may be a sneaky, sneaky good this year in the SEC. And it's just now getting started because this is only their second conference game. So, you know, it would take a monumental performance to be certain to beat the Georgia Bulldogs. But Again, this is college football, brother, and that, that's what <laughs> that's why we love it, because you just never know what's going to happen. So kicking down to the other side of this, let's kick it on down to the Plains, where Brian Harson just snapped that LSU Baton Rouge losing streak, and now he's got and now he's got the challenge of uh, essentially breaking another streak here against the Georgia Bulldogs. And who who the hell knows? I mean, we've only seen Brian Harson coach here for five games. And I know the Georgia State game was not that impressive, but, uh, you know, outside of that, I mean, I think you could argue he's been a hell of a coach. And there was mistakes in the Penn State game, to be sure. Bo Nix did not play that well. And at the end of the day, it cost him. But, you know, what is Boise State known for? They're known for springing upsets last time I checked. And as former head coach of the Boise State team, Maybe he's got a bunch of stuff cooked up for a team like the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't believe he was the head coach. He may have been when they came across the country and beat the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, I know that's completely irrelevant to this game, but uh, you know it's not like this guy has inexperience in, in pulling these massive upsets. And he's got a hell of a lot more talent than he ever did at Boise. And now, uh, you know, maybe it just takes a little while for the system and the players to get uh, incorporated to what Harson is doing. And, and it takes him a while to adapt to them. Uh, of course, you know, this is a completely new coaching staff. Mike Bobo, he's got a long, long history with the University of Georgia. He's got history with Kirby Smart. He knows what it takes to beat a team like this. 
Derek Mason. Hell, he's had success against Kirby Smart. He's beaten Kirby Smart. There ain't many Vanderbilt coaches who say they beat, they've beaten Georgia, but Derek Mason's one of them. So, I don't know. I'm just saying, there's a lot to like about the Auburn Tigers this week heading into this matchup against the Georgia Bulldogs. And, again, it's going to take a monumental effort. Bo Nix has got to play like damn Johnny Manziel like he did last weekend, but we just saw it. So maybe that maybe this is the Bo Nix we're going to get for the rest of the season. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, considering that defense, that's what it's going to take to pull off the upset this weekend. So let's kick it over to Brian Harson on preparing for this Georgia, <laughs> the dominance on both lines of scrimmage. He gives an update on Owen Popo and Tank Bigsby, the matchup this weekend with the Georgia Bulldogs. A big part of what you hear about Georgia is their talent and depth they have really on both lines of scrimmage. How do you deal with that? I mean, is, is it possible to even scheme for that, or do you just have to say you're going to have to win your you're going to have to win your battles? <laughs> well, yeah, that's part of it. You're going to have to win uh, some of those one-on-one matchups. Uh, they do have very good depth. They're very good up front. Uh, you still have to scheme for that. So you, you just can't give up on that because they have good players and they have depth. You're going to scheme. You're going to have a plan. And then you're going to work on uh, the things that you have to do that week in order to make that play or, you know, that, that plan you have uh, with your offense successful and, um, or defense. So all those things are just – it's a continuation of, of our preparation, our fundamentals, the work that we do, how hard we do it. And, and then knowing you're going against some really good players and know those guys uh, have shown from what we've seen to go out there and play at a high level, then you got to prepare yourself to do the same thing. And so it's all those things. And, you know, you just have to make sure that you're getting that done uh, yourself. You're getting that done with, with your side of the ball and then making sure that's happening consistently throughout the week. But, uh, yeah, they're very good. They're very good up front on both sides. And uh, the line of scrimmage is where it's at. And so, you know, we have to do a, a better job this week of making sure that we're prepared for what we want to do on the defensive line, what we want to do on the offensive line. And then, you know, we'll find out on Saturday where we are. Um, the challenges of facing that Georgia defensive front, which has been dominant, obviously using Bo's legs. What other things do you uh, um, do you have to try to incorporate in the challenges of facing that Georgia front? Yeah, their front seven's really good. Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, those guys are really good players. Um, They're physical up front. You know, everybody wants to try to run the football, and so you still want to be able to run it. you got to be able to handle those guys up front. we got to do a great job at O-line, tight ends, uh, being able to get up to those linebackers as well so you can run it. Uh, So that just in itself is a challenge. They play hard. They've got good technique. They're physical. and so that's you know what we have to make sure that we're prepared for as we go into this game. Uh, no different. I mean, I thought <clears throat> you know you play in some good teams, and you know we saw that against Penn State. We've seen it against LSU. Um, you know we we saw guys you know even against Georgia State playing hard on the defensive front, and you know a lot of defenses that's where that's where it's set up is your D line and your front seven, and I think a lot of teams want to be set up like that, and then your back half. You got good players back there, and they can move those guys around and, and do some different things with them. So, from an offensive standpoint, um, you know we have to practice at a level where you know we prepare ourselves for that, and still be able to run it and protect. And 
um, and just know that those guys are, are going to pose a challenge in every single play. We've got to be ready for that. So uh, how you prepare yourself um, is you go out there every single rep and practice that you get and, and you try to play hard and you try to make sure that you know, you're fundamentally sound, you're doing your job, we've got the right calls and everybody's on the same page so that you can execute whatever your assignment is. And you're going to get a one-on-one and you've got to find a way to win the one-on-one. That's why you do individual. That's why you spend time in the weight room. That's why you do all those things. So at some point when you get a one-on-one, that's your chance to use some of the techniques and things you've learned. But it's also, you know, you just as a, as a football player, that's your chance to try to win that one-on-one. And that's a great challenge. And I think why a lot of guys play the game is when you get in those moments, say it's me and you, and, you know, you get to go out there and challenge yourself to try to win those battles. Uh, Coach, can you update the status on Tank Bigsby and Owen Papo didn't go on Saturday as well? Tank seems like he may be a little dinged up or dealing with some things from from previous games. No, um, Owen didn't play. I hope he does this week. Um, you know, I hope that he would have last week as well. So it's just it kind of comes down to, to game time um, as far as Tank goes. No, he's fine. Um, and you know, everybody that was on that trip was was able to play we hope that Owen was and we'll see where he's at this week uh, fully expecting to be out there and ready to go all right guys so that's gonna do it for this episode of the show cousin Shane will be back on the next episode we'll, we'll preview some more of these games uh, I think we're getting in a little of a tradition here we want to save the Tennessee matchup for cousin Shane and of course I gotta save him it's Kentucky LSU so we'll be talking about that game <laughs> and many more with Cousin Shane on the next episode. But that's going to do it for this one. I appreciate each and every one of you hanging out. Catch you on the next one.